The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Aaron Rodgers, you don't want to cross that guy. He holds a grudge. He uses it for motivation. as a chip on his shoulder. Uh, and I th- where did that come from? Does that come Spoon. from that 60 minutes? Spoon? Spoon, yeah. Does it come from that 60 minutes story? And is it true? Do you use, do you use revenge for motivation? It's never been about revenge. It's about a reckoning. <laughs> Got teed up pretty well. Thank you. What's the difference? Ask my man Doc Holiday. Aaron Rodgers. Second press conference of training camp yesterday, almost as entertaining and informative as his first one. It's never been about revenge, it's about a reckoning. Chris, good morning. Good morning, Early Michael. Ad- Early, early, early trivia question in the show today, right out of the gates. Name the movie that that's from. Well, that's is a Doc Holiday. It's not the Wyatt Earp movie. I can't remember the other one, the other version of that. Uh, and I can't remember it. I'm not going to be able to call it off the top. What is it? Tombstone. 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 Right. Pete tells me. Right. Which yeah. I like Wyatt Earp better than Tombstone. So that's why I haven't watched a whole lot of Tombstone in my life. And. And let me just say this, given that it's from the movie Tombstone, the idea that you could actually put that phrase on a tombstone, it would be very fitting depending upon the person who is, you know, under the tombstone. It's not about revenge, it's about reckoning, and uh, there's a lot of different ways that can go, and a lot of different ways the Aaron Rodgers press conference went. We're going to spend some time, we haven't talked about him very much at all this week have we there hasn't been much to discuss a lot happened while we were off we covered it extensively at pft we talked about it when we did some of our hiatus editions of pft live and the chris sims unbuttoned podcast but we only talk about him when he gives us things to talk about it's that simple and he gave us some stuff to talk about and i'm sure you were very happy my understanding is that you watched with popcorn 
with a beverage, <laughs> possibly with some sort of a smoking device, the full 26 minutes. No, I'm, I'm uh, no smoking right now. I'm back on schedule. It's weekends only right now. You know, it's game time. It's NFL season. So it's back to, you know, retox, detox, and all that type of stuff. But uh, I did watch, you know, Pete Demolitolitis, who, of course, helps us with everything. He sent the, the press conference and... Uh, yeah, you know, listen, I, I always enjoy Aaron Rodgers. I know some people don't, but I kind of enjoy his quirkiness. I do find him to be very real with his answers for the most part. I know he's dodged some things in the past about the team and things like that. Uh, but I, I, I thought this was cool. There was a lot of little quotes like that and little things that just, you know, gave perspective to where he's at in his life as a player. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty good. It really was. I still am a firm believer that he and I are a lot alike in many ways, but there are still some things that he does from time to time that I find irritating, and I'm sure that feeling is mutual as well between Aaron Rodgers and me, well, up to and including the crap that 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 he believes people shouldn't bother uh, wasting. I, I've screwed it you're up. You're screwing it don't up. Don't waste you, your time reading that crap. Don't waste, don't waste your, your time. Don't waste your time listening to this crap either. There it is. <laughs> yes. No reading crap like that yeah don't ah, read crap you. like that thank that's you. right I was hoping there in that clip you know when they did ask him about you know where did it come from where you're into revenge and all those things I was hoping he was gonna be like hey it was that jerk Florio he keeps writing crap like that <laughs> we're just we're just trying to understand what's going on we're trying yeah. to analyze the situation and we Chris you and I together are on his side as it relates to the Packers' responsibility for allowing this relationship to become fractured. As Mark Murphy, the CEO of the team, acknowledged back in June when things were still kind of tenuous, he's a complicated fella. Well, you have to factor that into the decisions you make, the communications you have or don't have with the guy, if you understand that there's a certain approach that you must use when dealing with Aaron Rodgers and you deliberately choose not to use it, and there's a problem that arises after that, that's on you. Yeah. Because you know the guy better than anyone. Exactly. Uh, agreed. Uh, I mean, w w that's what we spent most of last year talking about. Like, what? duh. Like, you knew he was going to react like this. Everybody else in the world did. And what did you expect? So I think that's part of the frustration uh, with all of this and this whole subject. And, and it's one thing that just I don't understand, you know, still – when I look at social media and stuff, there's still just so much hate towards Aaron Rodgers, and they call him a diva. And I just want to go, why? Why? What is he a diva about? I don't get it because he carries the team on his back year after year. I mean, what? It makes one snarky comment during a season or yells at a receiver, and people go, oh, he's a diva. But then if some other quarterback yells at the receiver and do that, oh, what a great leader. Look at him. He's holding everybody accountable. He's held to a different standard because he's great. And people don't want to recognize it, and they hate on him because he didn't win Super Bowls. That's really what it comes well, down to to me, at least. I, I don't I, understand it. I interpret it a different way. First of all, yeah, I know you do. whoever you are, there's going to be hate on Twitter. If Mother Teresa was still alive, there would be hate on Twitter <laughs> yeah. for Mother Teresa, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we can agree with that. Yeah. Secondly, secondly, there is that longstanding dynamic, and, and it, it's throughout professional sports, but especially football, where the fans – will line up behind the teams and they always take the team's side and they want That's the right. players to know their place. And this idea that Aaron Rodgers would dare want to have input in the personnel, in coaching, in anything other than just calling the play that he's told to run, throwing the football, going back to the huddle, lather, rinse, repeat. There's a resentment 
uh, of the fact that he would even want to do something more yeah, it's ridiculous. Than, than the bare minimum requirement of a player to go out and play football. But I will say this. Yeah. Last year, when all of this stuff was percolating, and he told Peter King recently that he arrived at camp last year believing it was his last season with the Green Bay Packers. The, the fact that he kept that under wraps until the press conference after the loss to the Buccaneers in the NFC Championship game very impressive. We see a different Aaron Rodgers this year. This Aaron Rodgers is far more transparent and candid, and 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 he just kind of has that attitude. I think Chris, where he just doesn't care. Yeah, it I don't seems care. Like it. Right. I'm I'm too old to give a crap. Yeah. I'm gonna say what I think. So let's hear some of what he had to say yesterday regarding his perspective for this season. Which, if he thought last year was his final season, he probably thinks there's a good chance this year will be his final season with the Packers. I don't look at it as getting through the season, though. I think that's the most important thing. Uh, I'm going to enjoy it like I enjoyed last year. The reason I said that and the reason I approached it like that was um, I just knew when the pick was made that, that my, the clock had started for sure. And I thought unless there was something in the season that really made me feel like I'm going to be here past uh, 2021, that maybe this would be my last year because I didn't want to be going into a year with some sort of, you know, as a lame duck, like I said, I just didn't think that was fair to what I've accomplished and, and what I mean to this team. And nothing really changed in that regard. So I went in the offseason thinking, man, that, that could have been it. I'm glad that I enjoyed every moment. I'm glad I uh, led exactly where I wanted to lead and, and looked for those conversations with certain guys that needed a, a pick-me-up at, at different times. and took the headphones off and enjoyed, you know, the surroundings and the road trips and the time with the guys. Um, so, yeah, that's it's a good template for sure. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't want a farewell tour. Um, I don't know what's going to happen after the season, but, um, but I'm going to enjoy it with the right perspective for sure. A lot of revealing things there, Chris. Let's begin with this idea that he knew the clock started when they picked Jordan Love. That helps explain why he was upset about it. It's right. one thing to draft a quarterback. It's another thing to draft a quarterback under circumstances that scream out to the incumbent, eventually you're going to be gone. Even though you've never played the Brett Favre game, you've never said, maybe I'll retire. Hey, maybe I'll retire this year. Maybe I'll retire next year. He's always said, I want to play into my 40s, and I don't want to play for any team other than the Green Bay Packers. And he still wasn't immune, still wasn't exempt from the team drafting his replacement. So that was the wake-up call. And he talks about being a lame duck. This gets back to the contract, his issue with the contract, the way it's set up. He's a lame duck every year. He was a lame duck last year. Right. He's a lame duck this year. Right. And if he comes back next year, he's a lame duck that year because there's nothing in the contract that makes it impractical slash impossible for the Packers to move on from it. No, you're right. And but but I think what, you know, exempt or you know, what do I want to say? Exemplifies the lame duck thing is that there's a first round quarterback behind you. Like if there was no first round quarterback, I think he'd be going, Okay, lame duck, whatever. I'm here. There's nobody else to replace me. I'm still playing good football. But when that happens, then you really do become the lame duck. And, you know, that that's where I think it's like, okay, it, it, that's a whole different ball game altogether. Of course, the way it went down, you know, that was not great to Aaron Rodgers. He was totally caught off guard by it. We know that 100%. Uh, I think he's felt like he's been misled by management along the way. And to me, like when it just at a base level, the way I look at it, like compared to last year, 
you know, he talks about like, yeah, he thought maybe last year might be it, right? But he was hoping for more. Like, you know, let me let me make it hard on them, and I'll win if I win the MVP. They won't make me the lame duck. They'll give me another few years, and I'll be here for another two or three years. Well, that didn't work out. And to me, where he's different this year is it's like. He wants this to be his final year in Green Bay a little bit. I I, I don't know. I, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I don't think agree. he's agree. Yeah, I don't think he's scared of it anymore. I think it's a little bit more like, man, I'm kind of out of here, I think, right? It's probably gonna have to be something miraculous for me to stay. And that's why he's a little bit like like you said before, the old man that's just like, hey, the hell with this. I'm just gonna go play. I don't I'm too old to be worrying about all this bull crap. I'm just gonna do my best, enjoy the game and some of the things he says. And I think that's where the different mindset is compared to last year to this year. This is the house money season yeah. for Aaron Rodgers. Right. Last year was his last season in Green Bay. That was his mindset as he entered the year. This year, once he decided to come back, more on that in a few minutes. This is the Icing on top of the icing, on top of the cherry, on top of the cake season. And he said he doesn't want a farewell tour. And, you know, I've long believed, based upon things I've heard regarding Tom Brady, he never wants a farewell tour. He doesn't want it to be about him. And also, there's a concern that if you add that extra emotion of, this is the last time you will do this, this is the last time you will do that, this is the last time you will play here, this is the last time you will play there— it it's just enough to send a guy off kill the emotion the, right. yeah the the emotion it you, right you, you it keeps you from focusing on what you need to focus on and those two things either or maybe there's something else that we're not aware of that that would be why he doesn't want a farewell tour even though it's a farewell tour and that's why he's not going to tell us it's his last year. He doesn't want a farewell tour. Right. That's all we need to know to know that it is his last year with the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, well, it's it's he doesn't want the farewell tour. You know, I feel like guys like Brady and Rodgers don't want it too because they I mean, listen, they've been praised so much. They're going to have a farewell tour when after they're retired everywhere they go. Everyone's going to be like, "Oh my gosh, Brady, Aaron Rodgers, holy cow, it's amazing." You know, but but I think the point you make is real. You know, it's um, football's emotional enough. It really is. Now to start thinking like, you know, oh, I could be the last time I'm here and or this is the last time, you know, uh, this person will be in the stands watching the game or doing all those type of things. It will It'll take you away from what your task is, which is, you know, worrying about your offense, your checks, what the defense is going to do, staying focused that way. And, you know, he's still trying to, you know, deliver the reckoning here. To everybody in the NFL, uh, you know, whether it's his personal play and, of course, just the team trying to get back to the Super Bowl, I do still think he has that drive and edge about him to do that. And he does not want to be distracted by, you know, getting like, uh, you know, rocking chairs in every stadium where he goes to and things like that and all that crap. I need to go back to the guy who, to me, is conspicuously omitted from any of the discussion about the events that led to Aaron Rodgers feeling the way he feels, and that's team CEO Mark Murphy. Brian Gutekunst is the guy who always gets mentioned when we talk about the angst that Rodgers feels, but I still think that Murphy is this mad scientist slash puppet master who knows how to push buttons, knows how to pull strings, understood how, and we talked about this at the time, the Tyler Dunn report, he was with Bleacher Report at the time, about the dysfunction between Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers, and Murphy himself said, maybe this will piss some people off and maybe it would be good for us this year. And then comes 2020, draft Jordan Love, 
Maybe this will piss some people off and maybe it would be good for us this year. Murphy didn't say it, but I think there was an element of that because what happened? It worked. It got more out of Aaron Rodgers at a time when he should be descending. And based on 2019, there was evidence to think maybe he was beginning to decline. Not last year and not this year. He's in the I'm going to stick it to them phase of the latter years of his career. And so the Packers are going to get the absolute best out of him before the time comes to flip the switch to Jordan Love. So in that regard, despite, look, the, the... the acrimony, the the dirty laundry, the back and forth, the uncertainty, that's not good for anybody. But what is good is the fact that this strategy has resulted in a better version of Aaron Rodgers on the football field. Yeah, it's certainly. You know, it didn't help him in all ways. Like the Tyler Dunn thing, you know, a lot of people think like Aaron Rodgers has had some play in that, behind that, and was a part of like the rumors behind there that Tyler Dunn was writing. You know, from everything I know about that situation, that is not true at all. You know, so that made Rodgers look bad, too. So, I, you know, I'm sure, you know, I, I know you and I both agree that Mark Murphy is calling a lot of shots there in Green Bay. He's certainly a part of a lot of these conversations and all those type of things. Yeah. OK. You know, I'm all for trying to motivate players and getting the best out of them. But there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. And to me, there's just been a few steps along the, the way where I just go, you know, forget you know, the human aspect, what Rodgers talked about, it's not how you treat humans. It's not how you treat football players. And regardless, in a business, it's not the way you treat the guy who's made business so good for the last 12 years. I mean, the reason. That's it. You were in NFC Championship games and Super Bowls for one reason. Because most people can't name people that were on the 20, 2016 NFC Championship game. Nobody, I, I mean, you think about it and you go, wait, I can't even remember who was on that Packers team. There's nobody notable there. Why is that? It's because Aaron Rodgers was the freaking team carrying them all the time. And that's where I get angry, as you could tell, with the way they've treated them because I am a little old school. And, I mean, geez, Eli Manning is nowhere near Aaron Rodgers. And they let him hang around and ho- rolled out the red carpet for him. And well, they tried. They, they tried. tried. They, they, they gave him every there was, chance. There was an awkward moment with Geno Smith at one point. Right. But after that, they, they went back to, to letting Eli coast into the sunset. Right, exactly. But they still, nonetheless, they gave him every avenue to like, hey, we'll give you one more shot and all those type of things. And uh, that's where Rodgers is slighted in, in, my, you know, in my view. You know, again, he's been slighted as compared to the other great quarterbacks of all time. You've heard me say this. I mean, Brady's had um, – he's got Hall, Hall of Famers all over his teams. I mean, Rodgers through his career, I think the only Hall of Famer we're going to really see is Charles Woodson and maybe Bakhtiari at some point. Other than that, I, you're not going to see any other Hall of Fame players in the Aaron Rodgers Green Bay era. And that's where he feels disrespected too on a personal level. And, you know, I feel for him that way. So – uh you know, I'm, of course, rooting for him. You know that. First of all, we, we've got important information to present to you yeah. here, but I'm astounded that it has taken me 18 minutes to realize that you apparently 
took one of your son's shirts today and put it on. Man, what who the told hell you that? Doing there, JJ Somebody, Watt. But that, that's you didn't come up with that. That is Matt no, or no, Pete. No, no, I just happened. I just happened to notice that there's more body than material that I can see today, Man, and there's more know. of the body that I want to see. It is a little tight. You're right, but damn, I don't know. I I kind of like it. You know, I only got a few days left to wear these like little polos and stuff. So uh, I I just did it. But you're right. It is a little high on the arms. I don't. You know, I should have done some curls yesterday to look a little better. You. you, you you got. You, I, I thought you were starting your midlife crisis since you got 41 coming up pretty soon. I do got 41 coming up pretty soon. Are you going to get me another autographed jersey? Who's 41 that you can get me an autographed jersey? Any good 41s in the past? I don't think no, there really is. No, there haven't been. All Keith, due respect Keith Byers who wore is the 41. only 41 I can think of. Remember Keith Byers back in the day with the Eagles, right? He's the only one. I, I can and think I, of. If I recall correctly, and there's a chance I don't, did Charlie Waters, the great defensive back Ooh. in the Cowboys, think, wear number 41? I think 41? you're right. I think you're right. He did wear he Not did many. Wear 41. Yeah. Oh, hey. Good job, How about you? that? Blind yeah, way squirrel. Way to go there, old-timer. Chew acorn, baby. Yeah, All right. Uh, one potential Hall of Famer, if he'd hung around and continued to produce at a high level for the Green Bay Packers in the past decade, Clay Matthews III, who continues to be available. Now, let me set this up before we hear from Aaron Rodgers, because it was over the weekend, Rodgers... Randall Cobb, David Bakhtiari all take to social media to make a push for Clay Matthews to be brought back to the Packers. And it was picked up by everybody. Yeah. We wrote about it. Then I started to see people suggest, oh, it's just a joke, or he's going to sign a one-day contract to retire or something like that. So at that point, I actually did put on the hat with the little the little reporter you know, card, and, talk, and I started making some phone calls to find out, is this real? Is this a joke? Because if it's a joke, it's not funny. I, I'm missing the punchline if yeah, it's a joke. Right. And my understanding was they want him back. He'd be interested in coming back at the right price. And they know that the front office will never do it, but they still made the push anyway. So with that background, here's Aaron Rodgers from yesterday talking about whether or not he and others truly want to get Clay Matthews back on the team. The conversation is the most important thing. Um, I'm... You know, always pride myself on being reasonable and rational. Uh, sometimes what I think is best uh, might not be best based on gathering all the evidence and all the opinions and, and hearing thoughts from different people. Just to be in the conversation would be a great start. And that's kind of what I've expressed uh, since February. Uh, there's a lot of conversations um, about football stuff and what might not seem like football stuff that does affect my job. And I enjoy just at least being aware of the conversations. In the conversations is an even better position to be, and then actually having an opportunity to maybe impact the decision is great. Um, Friday night, uh, I was with uh, Dave and his lovely uh, fiance, Frankie, and the Cobbs, and we had a question about Clay uh, that came up because Clay just moved, uh, you know, moved from California. And so we got Clay on the FaceTime. Those conversations turned into a social media post. There hasn't been, a, I don't think, a big push uh, for many of us to, to sign him. I mean, I don't even, we didn't even talk ball. We were just uh, kind of BSing with him, having a good conversation. But he's a big farmer now. I'm not sure. He's kind of like Jordy. I don't even think probably got that strength to be able to play, but I don't think I've thought about football in a while. Well, if it was a joke, it was an inside joke that still wasn't very funny. All three guys posting a photo of Clay Matthews with bring him back in all caps. 
and it just kind of sat there for a week. So here's Aaron Rodgers explaining it five days later. And again, I'm telling you, they want him back. They know the front office won't bring him yeah. back. And I, I, I didn't set up the clip the right way. Sorry about that. He talked about his communications with the front office before that. But that's an important element here, too, because, look, for every guy that you sign, you have to let someone else go. And it's this balance. We talked about it earlier in the week as it relates to a different team. I can't remember which team, but the idea that, that every guy you keep another year is one less young guy you can keep and develop. And and this is the challenge for building and maintaining a football team. You have to make the tough decisions every year as to who stays and who goes. And and if Aaron Rodgers is going to have a seat at the table for those conversations, he needs to understand it's not fantasy football. You have to be balancing for every guy in, there's a guy out. For every guy you keep, there's a guy you can't keep. For every guy who's on the field, there's somebody else who's going to be on the sidelines not developing into part of the future nucleus of the team. Well, like, all right, so it was Rodgers, Bakhtiari, and who was the other one? Who was the third guy? Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb, right. I mean, to me, that was just a group effort. That was a threesome to say F you to the front office. They're messing with them. They probably are. I mean, Randall Cobb probably doesn't love the front office in Green Bay either. So join the party with Aaron Rodgers. And then Bakatiari is the beer-chugging friend of Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if it was kind of like, hey, man, we love Clay. Let's throw this out there, put some pressure on the front office, mess with them a little bit. You know, either way, it's part of the frustration. You know, but I, I think Aaron Rodgers, to his point, to everything else you're saying there, yeah, he just wants to be in some of these conversations, just like all the other great quarterbacks of all time. Not that they're calling shots or doing anything like that. Again, yeah, Peyton Manning was, was – I mean, we've heard Coach Dungy tell us. He was involved in a lot of conversations overall. I mean, game planning, how to approach this, players on the field, all that. Yeah, because he was that type of guy. Brady, hey, a little different, but he had like a messenger to give. Like he had, he had McDaniels in the, in the meeting room to go, I like this receiver. And then McDaniels could go and talk to Bill about, you know, Tom kind of likes this guy and blah, blah, blah. So nonetheless – you know, the conversation was there. For, for everything we've learned over the last year, it sounds, I mean, it's shocking. It just sounds like Aaron Rodgers had nobody to talk to, nobody on his side, nobody to let the front office know what he liked or was thinking about a play or something on the roster and those things. And that, to me, is, is wrong. Not to say the quarterback needs to call the shots, but you need to hear what he says. These are guys that are – like Aaron Rodgers, if he decided to want to be in some of these great quarterbacks, they could be high-level head coaches one day. They have those type of minds. Now, they're not going to do that because they've made a quadrillion dollars already, but uh, it's still shocking when I hear that. Quadrillion, that was a new one for okay. me. That might be – is that hopefully that's not a Simsism. That's just stupid. That <laughs> might actually be a real the name. next one beyond trillion. So you you may have inadvertently used the right term there. <laughs> okay. Um you know, as you're explaining it, and I, and I agree with you. Look, I think there was alcohol involved yeah. in this dinner right. that these guys had. Right. Beer for Bakhtiari, tequila or scotch for Aaron Rodgers and Randall Cobb, probably so indebted to Aaron Rodgers for getting it back to Green Bay. He'll drink whatever Aaron Rodgers is drinking. <laughs> right, right. But, but still, it meshes with what I was told. They want him back. He'd be interested in coming back. But they know the front office isn't going to do it. So these are the kids in the classroom messing with the teacher. Definitely. They're messing with Jerry Krause. Remember that? Yeah. And, and I, that was never disputed that Aaron Rodgers referred to Brian Gutekunst as Jerry Krause as a, as a nod to the Last Dance documentary where Krause was so reviled by Michael Jordan and the other Bulls players. So, yeah, they're messing with him. This is the kids dropping their pencil when the clock strikes two. Right. Just to mess with the teacher. And uh, so... 
if it was a joke, the only way it was a joke was they want him back. They know they're not bringing him back. And we did this thing together just to stick it to Goody. That's that's the context of the joke. Ha ha. Very funny. Right. But and and, and again, my first thought is, well, this is going to piss off Brian Goody Kunst, you know, and he's not going to say that. And he's spoken to the media since then. But it's got to be the kind of thing that you just say, God, why? Why? Why are you know we're thinking about giving you a seat at the table and you're gonna you're gonna do this? Yeah, come on, man. Yeah, well I know that, that that's another thing where I just go like again back to what we were talking about a, a little bit ago. Last year he's hoping for more years. This year he's hoping this is the last year. He doesn't care. It's gonna be scorched earth and he's not gonna play political games to the front office or do anything like that. I think he's just gonna let it fly and have fun and do whatever. Uh, and, and just go from there. And I, I, I don't know. It just seems that way to me. That was, that's a good example of it, nonetheless. By the way, quadrillion, an actual word. This is Boom. an example of an accidental non-Simsism. Boom. Where the word that comes out, and as it comes out, you're kind of thinking, meh, meh. It's a word. It is the next step after trillion. It is a thousand trillion which means that Jeff Bezos will be a quadrillionaire <laughs> at some point in the next few years. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, Now, the last point before we move on. This is Aaron Rodgers appearing on the Dan Levitard and Friends podcast regarding a very important question that got overlooked by everyone once Aaron Rodgers decided to show up for training camp. How close was Aaron Rodgers to not showing up, not because he was going to hold out, but because he was going to retire? Let's hear from Aaron Rodgers on the Dan Levitard and Friends podcast. Can it be said now how close, the closest you were to retiring within that? Well, I mean, I felt, I felt going into the weekend before camp that I was, I was 50-50. I said that to the uh, serious the other day. I don't care if people don't believe that. I mean, I, that's, that's true. There were some things that got me to 50-50 for sure. And, you know, I spent a couple of days in silence and, and meditation and, and contemplation and, and really felt like I should come back. There's a lot of opportunities for growth and, and exciting things in Green Bay, and and uh, that's that felt like the right thing to do. First of all, let me just say this. That is one hell of a big decision to defer to the weekend before it's time to show up. That And we all make decisions different ways, but to kick the can all the way until the weekend when you're on the verge of making a six-month commitment, a commitment you've already made, but you haven't honored it all this year because you didn't show up for the mandatory minicamp, that's a lot to pack into a weekend. That's a big weekend of meditation, reflection, etc. Uh, but and, 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 you know, a lot of people just don't believe him when he says it, but Chris, there was a reason the sports books freaked yes, out that's right. on that Friday yeah. and pulled all the Packers bets off the board. No, they doubt. were hearing yes. it could happen. So, so I, I tend to believe him. I, I do too. You know, I, I mean, listen, it, it, it's it's a tough decision. That's one of those type of things where you know you're not happy at work and you're miserable and you don't like people there and you feel mistreated. Yeah, it's gonna come up to the 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 you know the last bell or you know twelve twelve midnight to when you're gonna make that decision of like do I really want to go there and do that, and especially when you know you had enough money saved in the bank and all those type of things. I do believe he's got no reason to lie about that, and I think that that's what you said is the first thing I thought of. 
That's why the sports books all went crazy there. They heard from somebody in Green Bay or Aaron Rodgers' agency. They had some connection to know that this was a real thing. There's no doubt about it. You know, I, I can understand it to a degree. I, of course, I, I can't put myself in Aaron Rodgers' shoes or anything like that. But I was in a situation in Tampa Bay where the head coach did not want me anymore after I lost my spleen. And he was making it apparent without making it an, without just saying it and just come to me. Tell me what you're thinking. You know, but I was hearing rumors and him talking behind my back and all. And then he was giving me all these signals that he didn't like me or didn't want me anymore. Right. So now I'm coming back the next year. And I, I, I just remember thinking, like, I love football. You know that. I remember going, man, this is going to suck. I don't even know if I want to go today. Like, I got to go see John Gruden and deal with him. I know he doesn't like me and I don't like him right now and anything like that. He's trying to finagle a way to get rid of me and all of those type of things. And I, I think that would make anybody miserable or not want to go to work. So from that standpoint, I get it. And his is even to a, a bigger degree than, than me, of course. Give me an example of something that Gruden said or did. I'm just curious. How does he manifest the fact that he doesn't want you there anymore? Well, I, I mean, like, he would ne- like I, I, I could never explain anything. Like, as far as if I made a mistake in practice – and I oh that he would he would just shoot me down right away. I couldn't even talk. Oh, you're wrong. Horrible play. You're just doing bad. Here I come coming off my spleen, right? I'm not normal. I mean, I had one of the strongest wow. arms in the NFL. In, I've never been normal. I know. In, yeah, Thank you. Okay. Right. In, in his defense. <laughs> in his defense. Go I'll, ahead. I'll give him credit there. <laughs> but I'm not normal physically. Let's say that. You know, I'm not saying I was worth a damn as a quarterback, but I had a really strong arm. Now all of a sudden I couldn't throw the ball fifteen yards down the field. And he was telling reporters that I was completely healthy and just not practicing well. What? What? Like, I got a quote from you, head coach, telling the newspaper people last year that my arm's better than Brett Favre. Now I can't throw it 15 yards, and you're going to tell everybody I'm absolutely healthy. I'm just not practicing good. There was a lot of little signals like that, let alone, you know, other people in the organization kind of telling me behind closed doors that he was trying to get rid of me. And that, yeah, it was made miserable. And, and Rodgers, of course, is a god as compared to me or any quarterback. And the way they treated him, I can totally understand his feeling of like, man, do I really want to go back there and see these people and deal with this crap? See, this helps me understand. And this goes back to our relationship, which is now four years old. I've kind of gone sour on Gruden because I've just picked up these little bits and pieces from you over the years about how he treated you. It's like, hey, he mistreated my friend years before he was even my friend. Kind of pisses me off. You still got this strange loyalty to the guy that treated you like that. What's up with that, man? I, I try to be the bigger man, uh, period. You know, I know well, you are by about a foot and a half. Well, I know. I just, you know, again, it, it's a business. It's emotional and those type of things. Do I wish he would have treated me a little bit better? Yeah, but you know what? At the end of the day, I just came to the conclusion of one point, and I even reached out to him a number of years ago and just said, hey, I know it didn't end well, but I, 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 made, I made the comment of, like, I still had a lot of good years and learned a lot of football. And I just try to, you know, wipe it away and move on with life and appreciate it for what it was. I did grow up in an NFL household to know that, like, it ain't all roses, no matter how good you are or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, I guess I do still have somewhat of a loyalty, you know, toward, towards John Gruden. And, and there is the definitive proof 
that if you were to send in a DNA sample to one of the services out there, it would return 0.0% Italian for Christopher Sims. Not that the complexion in the eyes and the hair didn't already give it away, <laughs> but but trust me. Yes, trust I me, know. I'm married this, to one. <laughs> this 91% Southern Italian uh, would not have behaved that way yeah. and would not have tried to be the bigger man. So uh, <laughs> may, maybe it is in our blood. All right, let's go ahead and, and take a break. But but look, hey, we'll talk about Aaron Rodgers when he gives us a thing to talk about, and I have a feeling he's going to give us plenty of things to yeah. talk about in the 2021 20, season, both what he does on the field and what he may say off the field every Wednesday and after every game. But all that said, Aaron Rodgers did not have the most viral quote of any NFC North quarterback it was someone else we'll tell you who and what he said when pft live continues right after this the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Great day at Soldier Field on Saturday. Sunshine, summertime, Justin Fields, Andy Dalton. Ooh, Dalton baby. watching Justin Fields do his thing. That's sweet. Dalton... Heard the cheering for the rookie. He was asked yesterday about how he reacted when he heard all the love for the rookie who did some good things like threading the needle right there. Well, not quite. Here's Andy Dalton. The thing is, there's so much excitement with Justin. And, uh, I mean, it's deservedly so. I mean, he's a first-round pick. And at the, just with everything that's gone, that's gone on here, I mean, there's a lot of excitement with it. Uh, but... I didn't feel like there was an excitement for me either. Do I want the fans behind me and this team and all that kind of stuff? Yes. Do I want them behind Justin? Absolutely, I do. Um, but I, that's not my focus. I can't focus on all that right now. Um, like I've said before, Justin's going to have his time, and Justin's going to have a great career. But right now, it's, it's my time, and so my focus is on being the best player I can be for this team and do everything I can to help this team win. He's got that awesome G.I. Joe redhead beard. There was the G.I. Joe with dark hair, the G.I. Joe with red hair. You got the G.I. Joe with the red hair and the beard. That was a special – that beard, that's an awesome beard. It I'd love awesome to have that beard. beard. Really that is, is an awesome beard. Yeah. He seems different. Look, this guy's been around seems, 10 yeah. seasons – no, 11 seasons. This is season 11, 10 years since he was drafted by the Bengals, 2011. This is season 11 for him. And, you know, look – 
he he seems at he peace, wants, right, or something. I don't know what he, it is. Yeah. Well, you know why he's at peace, and we spend so much time trying to decipher what's going to happen week one against the Rams. He was told when he signed. I know you're the guy. You're the starter. Now that's not binding, but. I get the impression he hasn't been told anything any different. Right. They're getting Justin Fields ready for some time. But Dalton was told he's going to be the starter, not the starter to go to training camp, not the starter of the first preseason game, the starter of the first regular season game. And there's this tidal wave of presumption that it's going to be Fields either then or at some point not long thereafter. I still I still think Matt Nagy at some level is trying to pull this Patrick Mahomes 2017 sit on the bench all year scenario. It just it's not going to be as easy this time as it was then. No, you know, he, he better be careful then. You know, you shouldn't call out, you know, call the, you know, oh crap play with the tight end going wide open down the sidelines to to give more highlights to boost up all the support behind Justin Fields and put Andy Dalton in a tougher situation. I mean, I know they want to make their first-round pick look good and do all those type of things, but, uh, you know, maybe they need to be smart about it if they want to do it because right now the direction they're headed in is an absolute no-win situation for Andy Dalton. He's going to be booed as he runs out in the field in the first regular season game. That's where it's headed right now, and that's not cool either. And, you know, I, the, the promise thing to me is still very intriguing. You know, this is pro football. There's no promises with anything, okay? This isn't Pee Wee League bullcrap. This is the NFL, right? And if Justin Fields goes out there, and I know he's got a little groin injury and all those type of things, but he plays good in preseason game two and preseason game three, and Andy Dalton's just okay, and the clamoring from the Bears fans just becomes greater and greater and greater. I mean, I, I don't know. I think Matt Nagy's going to be in a really tough situation, and I think he's really putting Andy Dalton and his team in a weird situation that way too. And that's where I'm kind of interested to see this this play out. You know, if it goes to the way in the scenario I'm saying, start Justin Fields and go. I've yet to see a drop-back quarterback really be successful in the Matt Nagy system. We saw them be a little bit more successful last year with what did they do? Ran the ball, Trubisky bootlegs, right? All that type of stuff. That's Justin Fields football. And now it's even to a greater extent. And you could add quarterback runs because he's built like a Greek god and all those type of things. So there's an aspect of me that, yeah, he promised Andy Dalton. But if it continues on this track, I would just say, sorry, abort mission. You, you got to take back the promise and, and start the young guy and, and just let him learn on the fly. You mentioned the groin injury. No practice for Fields on Wednesday because of that condition. Matt Nagy said that the team is, quote, extremely conservative, end quote, with Fields, and that the goal is still for him to play against the Bills on Saturday. Remember, Nagy said earlier in the week he wanted more reps for Andy Dalton, which would necessarily mean fewer reps for Justin Fields. But we'll see how conservative they are. Yeah. And missing a practice, hey, that's one fewer practice to prepare for the season than you would have had. And will he be there today? Are they even practice? I don't know what their but practice, practice schedule is. He's missing is, a practice much- against the Bills, though, right? Like, to your point, right. very That's important. Right. That's right. Yeah. So so the, these are issues that will be a factor in the preparedness of Justin Fields if and when there's a chance to put him on the field week one. But but Dalton was told. And, and look, the promises aren't binding. This is pro football. But – it's a closed shop. There's 32 teams. Relationships are important. No doubt. If 
if if you if you get that reputation like mm-hmm. a former head coach of yours in Tampa had that you can't be trusted, that sticks with you for years after the fact. And I, I think that, that at some level they want it to be the Andy Dalton show this year and they want to quietly get fields ready and maybe Dalton can do some things in that offense that we didn't see well, we saw him for two drives against the Dolphins so uh, look I, Andy Dalton went to the playoffs each of the five seasons that began his career in right. Cincinnati right they never won a playoff game in part because and we talked about Dalton earlier this week breaking his thumb against the Steelers late in the 2015 regular season. Yeah. And that derailed what would have been... There was a Monday night game that year against the Broncos that determined to buy. And the and the Bengals still almost won that game. It went to overtime with A.J. McCarron at quarterback. Right. So, you know, they had a good team that year. And they had good teams when Dalton was there. And he has to get some of the credit for that. So I, I'm not ready to just say, oh, they're going to be horrible with Dalton. Um, the, no, the, the question is, can they be good enough right. to keep fields on the bench yeah I think that that's the question you know because they are a team just at base level and I know their offensive line still you know pat you know they're trying to patch it together the Tevin Jenkins their second round picks getting back surgery they were expecting him to be one of the starting tackles and all of that too I get it but you know in a lot of ways you and I anybody that follows football knows one thing about the Bears for sure their defense is good it's legit it's a top 10 defense, and they got guys back that were COVID out last year and everything like that. So, you know, it, 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 they can play the Justin Fields, let's run the ball, be conservative, passing the ball, and play defense type of game for sure. You know, they can. You're right. Andy Dalton, they can play that style too. I just, you know, again, I just haven't seen enough from the Andy Dalton style of play through Matt Nagy's playbook to make me think that that's going to be overly successful that way. And that's where I'm interested to see where it goes here. But, you know, I, like we've seen with either Mac Jones, Trey Lance, or Justin Fields, I feel like all three head coaches open the door a little bit to be like, no, nah, you're doing good enough to where if you keep going, maybe we'll pull the trigger and start you. Uh, but maybe that doesn't happen for Justin Fields because of this promise in week one. Meanwhile, the Bears used a second-round pick on Oklahoma State tackle Tevin Jenkins, was supposed to be the starting left tackle. Yeah. Now he's out with back surgery. Mm. He could be out for the whole season. And this one is kind of strange because he didn't get put on the NFI list or the PUP list going into camp. He, he passed his physical. They claimed that they knew about the back problems. Well, if they had known that it was going to potentially knock out his rookie season, I don't think they would have used a second-round pick on him, and especially – given what the pandemic did to the scouting process this year, without the full-blown scouting combine, without the ability to bring the guy in to your facility this year, there was still a reduced capacity for finding things out. And what is the one thing that causes a guy not just to fall down a draft board, to be completely removed from a team's draft board? It's health problems that can't be fully explored. And here they are potentially getting no return at all in 2021 on a second round pick after they'd given up next year's first round pick to move up to get Justin Fields. Yeah, no, it's big. You're right. I mean, hey, every team wants their first and second round picks to be contributors to that team that year. And the Bears, this was a pick at a a position that has certainly been less than the last two years. And they really needed the body and the help. You know, I, I, yeah, you know, Usually teams, as you're kind of explaining, when you get into back, neck, 
heart, head, you drop some rounds for sure. You are. And Tevin Jenkins, you know, big country strong guy from Oklahoma State. And it just the more I read this, it sounds like, yeah, they were aware of the back problem. He's not the first guy in football history to have some back problems. I mean, yeah, you lift a lot of weights, you're hitting people and all that. You're going to have that. It seems like they thought like, okay, it's not that major and he'll just deal with it and we'll be okay. And then they got to camp and okay, past the physical, but then maybe when he started getting active or whatever, it flared up, it got worse. I don't know, but it's certainly a big blow to their football team because, you know, I, I do think they're they're going to try to lead or you know start where they left off last year with David Montgomery running and trying to do those type of things and establish the line of scrimmage, and it'll be harder to do without Tevin Jenkins. You know, there was a sense throughout the league that this year's draft was more of a crapshoot than usual because of guys who opted out of 2020. So we missed a year of film to see whether they ascend, plateau, or drop. We we don't have the scouting capacity this year that we've had in past years. Fewer games being played by the teams. All that thrown together means there are going to be some guys taken early who either don't work out or have health issues that become a bigger deal than teams thought they would be. And then you're also going to have guys who slip through the cracks who get to the NFL and become stars. This is the yeah. one year where round three, round four, round five, keep your eyes open for who may pop out of those rounds. Because if it had been a normal year, there may have been some names that ended up going Chris a lot higher than when they went. Yeah, I, I don't I don't disagree with that. You know, yeah, last year was tough. It really was. I don't think all the teams had all the information and got to pull and prod all the guys to the extent they have in years past. Uh, and, you know, to you, you know, because of the COVID opt outs and things like that and all the things that had around it, maybe you take a chance on a guy here and there. Just because oh, we're not sure this guy didn't play last year. Yeah, we have him up there as far as offensive linemen, but you know we'll go with the guy that played, right? I mean, there, there's so many different factors that affected the draft last year, uh, but but nonetheless, this was the number one issue for the Bears football team was offensive line, and that's why it's a big blow because we're just going to see how much better this offensive line is in, in Week One against the Rams. And yeah, especially yeah. week one Why against the Rams. Peters, right? Hello, yeah. Aaron Donald, right. and uh, and the, the fact we haven't talked about this. Yeah, Aaron yeah. Donald, Leonard Floyd. The fact that the Bears signed thirty-nine-year-old Jason Peters. They had to wait five days under the COVID protocols because he's not vaccinated. We had heard all the agents bemoan the fact that only vaccinated free agents are going to get a shot. The Bears are sufficiently desperate that they dialed up a 39-year-old guy who wasn't vaccinated, waited the five days to even get him in the building. That's how dire it is now for them on their offensive line. Yeah. And uh, maybe that's a reason to keep Justin Fields on the sideline against Aaron Donald and company week one Sunday night football on NBC. All right. On Tuesday, the lawyer representing 22 women who have sued Deshaun Watson claimed the FBI is involved in the case. Yesterday, Watson's lawyer held a press conference during which he suggested that it's actually a good sign that the FBI is on the case. We'll discuss that next here on Pro Football Talk Live. Deshaun Watson still with the Texans. Practicing sporadically, not injured, according to Coach David Colley. We talked about that yesterday. Still not sure what's going to happen there, although I would bet the under on number of games to be played this year by Deshaun Watson for the Texans or anyone else because of the legal process that continues to unfold. And a new front opened up supposedly on Tuesday 
with the FBI allegedly involved, according to Tony Busby, who represents 22 women who are suing Deshaun Watson. Chris, here is Rusty Harden, the lawyer who represents Deshaun Watson, called a press conference yesterday to talk about this new wrinkle with the FBI. Here's what Harden had to say about the FBI's involvement in the case. In April, the FBI came to us and told us that they were investigating a matter as to whether one of Mr. Busby's clients had committed extortion in the way they were demanding money from Deshaun or what they would do if he didn't pay them. Uh, We talked to him. We were not the ones who contacted them. They contacted us. Uh, We talked to him. We even let him interview Deshaun. And if y'all can find a lawyer would let his client talk to the FBI, if the, if the lawyer thought his client had done anything wrong or had any exposure, uh, then uh, I'll be very, very surprised. Uh, so the way that Tony Busby set it up, the FBI looking into Deshaun Watson, specifically as it relates to the use of interstate communications, the bringing of people from other states to Texas for these massages that turn into something more than that. And Rusty Harden himself has admitted in the other press conference he held in this matter that those things did happen. You've got Harden's take on it. We've got an extortion plot here, potentially. That's why the FBI is involved. Just another reason to kind of take a step back and recognize this stuff is going to take some time to sort out. Mm -hmm. And it's not conducive to anyone trading for Deshaun Watson. It's definitely not conducive to Watson playing. We kind of tripped over the other day this idea that maybe the league has just said to the Texans, as long as he's not going to play them, we don't have to put him on paid leave and make some big story out of that. I I think, Chris, he's not going to play this year for the Texans or anybody else. And his side simply can hope that by the time we get to March, there'll be some clarity that would yeah. allow another team to give the Texans what they want. That That's where, like, uh, I'm, I'm always coming to here a little bit in this conversation. It's like, yeah, forget this year. Damn, is he going to get this cleared up by next offseason to where a team can make a trade for him and do something like that? I mean, I, I don't know how long this is going to last, but I just can't, again, imagine any of these teams that are interested in Deshaun Watson – you know, wanting to deal with this situation anytime soon. Certainly not, you know. And then, you know, you talk about, you know, the two teams that, of course, wanted to acquire Deshaun Watson, We, the Miami Dolphins, the Eagles. I think we both know, and a ton of people in the NFL know, that there's legitimate interest there. Hey, but, you know, Jalen Hurts doing okay, looking good in camp. Tua doing okay, looking good in camp. So I just think also, like, that ship has sailed because of Watson's circumstances. And, okay, that's too deep into camp, and those quarterbacks are doing good. It's all going to be about next year. And for, for I think, the, the safe play for Watson and Rusty Harden for the sake of Watson's career is just try to make sure you get, like you said, something done where it's February, March. Teams will have a good idea where this is going to go. And then – Hopefully the Texans can get the proper, you know, assets in the trade and Watson can pick where he wants to go. The main impediment is the inevitability of a grand jury in Texas hearing the evidence and potentially indicting Deshaun Watson and then where it goes from there. That's the thing that the teams are paying attention to. This FBI thing is just kind of a curiosity at this point that presumably will lead somewhere, if anywhere, in the next six or seven months. But I really do think March is the timeline. And Chris, from Houston's perspective, assuming that they're willing to pay him $10 million to not play, right? And and this is a team that wants 
unloaded a second round pick to not have to pay Brock Osweiler $16 million. But if they're willing to pay Deshaun Watson $10 million to not play, they're going to get more for him, far more for him in March than they would get now, even if the legal issue wasn't around. Because right now you've got a very limited universe of teams that would be interested. You get to March, yeah. you're going to have, of, of all the teams that have bad seasons, teams that are thinking, do we move on from this quarterback? We talked yesterday about the Giants, and if Daniel Jones doesn't step up, it's time to step off, potentially. They got two first-round picks they can throw on the pile right out of the gates for next year. You're going to have more teams that can say, okay, we just have to go get Deshaun Watson instead of the small handful that we currently have. No, no doubt. You, you, can, you can get a bunch of teams, you know, you know, yeah, going after each other and raising the price for, yeah, the trade of Deshaun Watson at that point as compared to now. You're right. It's very limited, and it's really risky, and I just can't imagine any team doing it at this point. So uh, yeah, I think for, for really both sides, Watson, Texans, it's probably better if it happens after the year, and it's just, it, it's just too many moving parts right now. I mean – you know, if you're if you're Nick Casario, I mean, geez, you get become a GM, and this is the first like real transaction everybody wants to know from you, and like, whoa, I don't know what's he worth, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, he's in a really tough situation, and I think the best thing for him is kind of the scenario you're laying out. Let this play out a little bit. Let the season be over. Let some of these teams realize what they got or don't got at quarterback, and now you can get a handful of them going after Deshaun Watson and maybe get really something that can rebuild your football team down there in Houston. And again, at the core of this, a serious issue that needs to be properly handled with the 22 individuals that have filed civil lawsuits. I have said for months now, have your reckoning. There's that reckoning word again. A reckoning needs to be had. There needs to be a sense of some form of justice provided to these individuals who clearly felt motivated in some way that something happened that shouldn't have happened. And I understand in an adversarial setting, one side says yes, other side says no. One side says it happens, other side said it didn't. But the smart thing, it's, and it's too late now. Cat's out of the bag. Yeah. Pandora's box is open. Yeah. Once the criminal process takes over, everything else becomes irrelevant. And the thing, Chris, that is the least relevant to any of this, the NFL schedule, the Texans' timeline, Deshaun Watson's desire to play football – criminal process does not care it's going to go forward at its own speed in its own time and Watson and the Texans and the interested teams can only hope that seven months from now they'll have the clarity that they need when the new league year 2022 commences yeah no yeah you're right that's all they can hope for I mean it is it's some crazy situation that's all I can really say you know Houston they're in a tough spot you know Deshaun Watson yeah you know, it, it's not a good look for him right now, certainly. And also, you know, I just think about him as a player, too, going, man, here he is. I mean, he is in the prime of his career, and he's most likely going to miss a full year of football. And I feel for for him and from the football standpoint with all that. But, yeah, we got to see how all this plays out and see where it goes. Uh, um, so we'll, we'll see. See, and I come back to this, and I don't want to plow old ground, but yeah. – at what point does he say, I just want to play football, and how much of that is tied up in the league saying to the Texans, as long as you don't make us make a decision, we're good here. 
So you just tuck him away somewhere, and we don't have to have the commissioner's statement that everyone is going to talk about. It'll be on every radio show, every TV show, every website, every newspaper, headline, league places Deshaun Watson on paid leave. See, this all flows from PR, Chris. I know. They'd rather not create a news cycle that they put Deshaun Watson on paid leave. They just kind of let nature take its course. So I still like, cause at some point if I'm Deshaun Watson, I just want to play football. Yeah, I know. I don't care right. if I don't want to be part of this organization anymore. This is the only organization I'm part of if I want to play football, but that's where I come up against that potential wall. That's been secretly built that the Texans have said, okay, we understand commissioner. We understand what you're saying here. If we don't put him on paid leave, on our own, you're going to do it, and that's not good for anybody. No, I, I know. You know, it, 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 there is that. Like we brought that up a little bit yesterday, where I just think about, like, man, is Deshaun Watson at some point just going to be like, hey, I want to play football and do that? But also, I could certainly see it. You know, putting myself in his shoes a little bit too. Yeah, going. Wait, we know he doesn't like the team, anyways. He didn't like them before all this, and. You know, to some degree, maybe why he's content, too, is he's looking at the team going, damn, we're not good, and I'm not going out there to get killed for this group. Uh, so maybe that's why he's content kind of sitting in the background right now is the Texans are in total, total rebuild mode. I mean, not to be disrespectful to anybody there, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't. there's really not one blue-chip player on the football team right now other than Deshaun Watson. I guess maybe Brandon Cooks is like borderline that, but I don't know. So, so maybe he's looking at it that way too. Like, you know what? I'll just let this play out. I'm not going to play for that team. I know that with that offensive line and those receivers and our defense and all of that, you know, maybe, maybe he is content just sitting back. I will say this. Yeah. They do have Laramie Tunsil. Yeah, uh, that's right. He's a blue chipper. A no doubt about picks. it. No doubt. And, and they have a very impressive four deep tailback situation mark ingram philip Lindsay, david johnson rex burkhead now maybe that would have been even better two or three years ago but that's not a bad group if you're going to do the the new england patriots yeah revolving door this game it's this guy this game it's that guy keep them all healthy they can have a decent running game and yeah. tyrod taylor isn't bad he did no. take the bills to the playoffs a few years ago no i know you know tyrod taylor he he certainly can do some good things you know he's he is one of those guys that you've heard me say in the past you know he doesn't win games but he doesn't he doesn't lose games either and if he would push the limit a little bit as far as taking chances and being aggressive he might actually win some football games when you're not supposed to uh, but we haven't seen that from him but yeah, it's it's just a crazy situation. You know, again, I know you and I have been around this a long time. I don't remember any team or player quite being in anything like this. No, where the guy's still there. Yeah. I mean, with Mike Vick, when that all went down 14 right. years ago, number one, he got indicted fairly quickly, and then he was just gone. This is all hovering. It's all percolating. Watson's with the team when we know he doesn't want to be with the team. He wants to be traded, and they want to trade him. That's clear. But no one really knows what they can do at this point. I, do, I don't know much about the coming season, but I do know one thing. At the end of the first Sunday, either the Texans or the Jaguars will somehow be 1-0, barring a tie, because they play each other. So <laughs> one of the two teams at the bottom of the division, two of the worst teams right now in football from a talent standpoint, will be undefeated after one week, just like the Jaguars were last year before they lost 15 in a row. All right, we got an update yesterday on the health of Dak Prescott and also Carson Wentz, plus the Broncos – 
getting close to making their quarterback decision. Some quarterback news when this Thursday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.